Thanks for listening to the Journey Christian Church podcast. We're on a mission to make disciples who love God, love people, and serve the world. Our prayer is that this message encourages you today. And remember, Journey is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and through Jesus, anything is possible. Hey, it's good to have you. If this is your first time, my name's Dustin Agard, um, and I'm a Dolphin fan. That's just one of the confession things that we say. Yes. Yes, and I'm also a pastor, and it's Super Bowl weekend, and we're going to have a good time. And some of you are like, man, I didn't come here to talk about football. I came here to talk about Jesus, and I just want you to know that Jesus loves football, and so we're going to talk about both. So um, some of you are like, why is it Super Bowl weekend, and you're wearing a Dolphins jersey? And I just, it's my way of protesting the Super Bowl. You see, I, I believe the Dolphins should be in the Super Bowl if it wasn't for the refs. I don't know what you're thinking. What did the refs have to do with the seven-game losing streak? It's all political. So we have the Super Bowl. It's the Los Angeles Rams versus the Cincinnati Bengals. And yeah, who, who day? And so we have a big game today. And some of y'all are like, man... Uh, I don't know if I care about this, that. I'm going to just do a, a brief survey uh, with everybody joining us online as well as Lake County. I want you to participate and follow along. And so I just want to see what you're excited about. Maybe nothing for tonight. So how many of y'all are excited about the Rams? For those joining us online in Lake County, that was nobody. Okay. How about the Bengals? Wow, okay. That was, that was good. Lake County, okay, all right. And, and online, I want you to uh, post a little chat too and let us know. Some of them are online. Normally, they come to church, but they've already started tailgating, so they're watching online. Some of you are like, I didn't even know there was a football game. I thought there was a bunch of commercials tonight. How many of y'all are just in it for the commercials? Yeah. Some of y'all are like, man, forget teams, forget commercials. I'm just in it for the food. How many foodies? Yeah, my foodies. My foodies. So I don't know if you know this, but just, just a heads up, the way that the Super Bowl works, okay, the way the Super Bowl works is they, they try to pick a neutral site and they do it way ahead of time. So where they're playing this year in Los Angeles was, was predetermined years ago. As a matter of fact, next year it's going to be in Arizona. And then the following year, it's going to be in Las Vegas. They already predetermine it. Typically, they try to find a place that's warm and uh, that's kind of a, a neutral site in a newer stadium. Okay, so that's kind of how that works. Now, what's interesting is the past two years, something happened that's never happened before. Last year, the Tampa Bay Bucks played the Kansas City Chiefs. Don't, don't even start with Tom Brady, okay? So last year, the, the Bucks defeated the Chiefs, but they did it in Tampa. Super Bowl was won in Tampa, which was, which was home field advantage. And then this year, the Super Bowl between the Rams and the Bengals is played in LA, which is the Los Angeles Rams home, home city. So now it's back-to-back years where there is home field advantage, and it's never been done in the history of the Super Bowl, back-to-back years where it's happened. As a matter of fact, it's only happened two other times where a team in the Super Bowl had it in the host city. And so uh, what I want to talk about a little bit is this idea of home field advantage. And I don't know if you've ever played sports. I don't know if you've ever watched sports. You may care less about sports, but what you need to know is there is something that is very real called home field advantage. And home field advantage takes place when a team plays in front of their home crowd. 
Because a, a, a home team playing in the home crowd, they have their fans cheering them on. And what they're also doing is booing and trying to sabotage the team they're playing. As a matter of fact, Sports Illustrated says this, home field advantage is no myth. Indisputably, it exists across all sports at all levels, from Japanese baseball to Brazilian soccer to the NFL, the team hosting the game wins more often than not. You see, home field advantage is real everywhere you go, except for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, <laughs> I'm not even like trying to throw shade, I'm just talking real talk. Like, I went to a game years ago and they played Pittsburgh and it was right after Pittsburgh won the Super Bowl. And, and I went and you would have thought we were actually in Pittsburgh. The place was, now I understand Pittsburgh from what I've gathered, they travel really well. And they have something called the terrible towel, which they, they just wave, it's a yellow towel, they wave. You would have thought Jacksonville handed them out at the gate. The entire place had terrible, I, I think I was the only non-Pittsburgh fan. However, everywhere else typically has home field advantage. This is my question. My, my belief is that I think the church should have the greatest home field advantage on the planet. And this is what I mean. I think the church should have the greatest cheering section for people than anywhere else that we go. And what we're gonna dive into is what does that look like? And if a first-time visitor comes, you need to know there's a first-time visitor here today. When they come, do they feel like they're at a home game or an away game? Do they feel like they're being cheered for or booed for or they don't even feel like they even exist? And the good news is we get to answer that question. Today's message is gonna come from the book in the Bible called Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. We're gonna really unpack just two verses and see what this has to say for us. It says this, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. So what I wanna talk about is I wanna talk about three ways to maintain home field advantage in the church. The very first thing that I think we need to do if we're gonna have home field advantage is you gotta show up. Like when I went to Jacksonville, the Jacksonville Jaguar fans just didn't show up. There was no home field advantage. If you wanna have home field advantage, you gotta show up. And, and when I talk about this idea of showing up to the church, I, I know for a fact that I'm preaching to the choir because you're here. Like you're, you're online, you're at Lake County, like you showed up. Hebrews 10, 24 says this, if we can bring it up, let us consider how we may spur one on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. That's showing up. And then I just think, I think this is Paul just being passive aggressive, as some are in the habit of doing. Like, hey, I think we should gather, but not everybody. That's just like a passive aggressive zinger. But what he's saying is showing up, but you showed up physically, and that's good. I want to challenge you to not just show up physically, though. What would it look like if you showed up to church mentally, uh, emotionally? What if you showed up spiritually? So many times we bind to the lie that we show up to church for us because we want something out of it. But the truth is we show up to not only be poured into, but to also pour ourselves out. And when we can pour ourselves out, we become the greatest home field advantage this world has ever known. Now, I grew up playing baseball. I don't know if we have any baseball players. I've asked you before, and it was sad. It was like one or two. So I grew up playing baseball. You know who shows up to a high school baseball game? Like nobody. There's, there's two different types of people. Y'all said it right. There's parents and there's girlfriends. 
And if you're me, it's just your parents, okay? <laughs> my wife's like, no, I've been to a lot of baseball games. She has. I've known my wife since middle school, so she's been to a lot, a lot of, of games. Now, I don't know what sport you may have uh, grown up playing, but if it's not football or basketball, a lot of times it's just, it's either a significant other or your parents. So it's a, the stands are empty. So I just know as an ex-athlete, the power of just showing up to a game. And when, when my wife would show up or my parents would show up, I would just get extra excited, extra focused. There was something about a cheering section in my life when people would just show up and say, I'm not here for everything else. I'm just here for you. As a matter of fact, I don't even care if you strike out or hit a home run. I'm just a fan of yours. And when you show up in the life of other people, man, it's exhilarating. It, it makes an athlete just feel like they could run through a brick wall. The quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams, his name's Matthew Stafford. His wife is a very outspoken fan of his and, and of football. And she understands this, as a matter of fact, leading up to the last game when they played the uh, San Francisco 49ers at home, she went out and on her Instagram and on a podcast, anywhere she can talk, and she's, she begged the people of LA to do two things. Please buy tickets to the game and don't sell them to the 49er fans. Because she understood they had a previous game where they had a home field advantage, but there were so many people from the opposing team that it almost lost its impact. And so she understands the spouse of the quarterback. She understands the power of that. So she literally went in and made that plea. A churchgoer wrote a letter to the editor of a newspaper, and he complained that it made no sense to go to church every Sunday. And this is what he said. He said, I've gone to church for 30 years now. And in that time, I've heard something like 3,000 sermons. But for the life of me, I can't remember a single one of them. First of all, that hurts. So, think I'm wasting, so I think I'm wasting my time and the pastors are wasting theirs by giving sermons. Now, this created a controversy in the letters to the editor column. And this went on for several weeks until this one person submitted this. He said, I've been married for 30 years now. In that time, my wife has cooked some 32,000 meals. But for the life of me, I cannot recall the entire menu for a single one of those meals. But I do know this. They all nourished me and gave me the strength I needed to do my work. If my wife had not given me these meals, I would, I would be physically dead today. Likewise, if I had not gone to church for nourishment, I would be spiritually dead today. And that's just a mic drop. He just... <sighs> Online audience, I want, you to, I want to encourage you not just to show up, but find a way to make it more than a one-way communication. Maybe for you, showing up is, is taking the time to call somebody and praying over the phone, or maybe just chiming in with something in the chat or a question. But I wanna encourage you, find ways, may we all find ways that we don't just show up and just take, 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 but how do we show up and not just get poured into, but pour ourselves out? And when we do, we begin to have home field advantage. First way that we have home field advantage is to show up. The second way is to speak up. Now, recently I flew from Orlando to the Los Angeles area. I actually happened to fly um, during the, the Rams' last game when they played the 49ers. So I'm on a flight. The entire, the entire plane is rooting for the Rams. They're going crazy, and it has TVs in the back of all, all the seats. And everybody on the plane is watching the game except me. You see, I have my screen right here and my TV isn't working and everybody's going crazy. I just want to watch the game, okay? 
And so I'm not exaggerating at least 50 times. My screen is on, but I can't change the channel. So at least 50 times, I just keep doing this. I just keep, I just keep punching. I can't, I can't, it's on the standard channel. I can't figure out. I'm looking around, everybody else watching the game. I can't figure it out. I go on my trip, do my thing, and I'm heading back. As I'm getting onto the airplane, walking down the aisle, I look down and I see this. You see, what this is on the armrest is the remote control. Yep. I know what you're thinking. You're the biggest moron in the world. Here, here's my point. I know that. You know that. The guy sitting next to me knows that. But why wouldn't he tell me that? Like for three hours, he's watching me touch a screen knowing there's a remote right there. And I'm like, man, I don't just need you to show up in my, show up in my life. I need you to speak up, man. Just tell me there's a remote right there for crying out. How much do you have to hate somebody not to say anything? <laughs> Felt like a, mm. So Hebrews 10, 24, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, that's showing up, but encouraging one another, that's speaking up. So we don't just show up, we don't just show up to church on a Sunday, we show up and we speak up. We don't just casually come in, you see, church is corporate, it's, it's not individual, we don't just show up and leave, we show up and we speak up. And there's power when you speak up. There's power and encouragement. Matthew Stafford's wife, again, the, the quarterback uh, of the Rams' wife, she was on this podcast and she said, listen, we don't just need fans to show up. We need them to speak up. And she went on to explain this nuance about football, about when the quarterback is giving the play call to everybody. When you are at home, it is silent. The fans don't cheer so that the quarterback could be heard by his own team. But when you are on an away game, the crowd goes nuts so that they can't hear you and it makes a lot of chaos. And what she was saying is they had a home game where the opposing fans were louder than the home fans. And so when they were on offense, they had to do what's called a silent count and it messed them up. All because their fans weren't speaking up in their stadium. Listen, when you show up, don't just show up, speak up. Don't just show up, speak up. As a matter of fact, when I go to a Magic game and, and, and football games, I don't know if you've seen these, they actually have on the big jumbotron, they have the, the decibel level. They're like, all right, Magic fans, stand and cheer. And then they'll have how loud it is and they just wanna make it louder and louder and louder. As a matter of fact, one of the best stadiums in America to watch a college basketball game is at the University of Duke, Cameron Indoor Stadium. And it's exciting. Duke has an incredible, uh, just an incredible dynasty of teams under Coach K. And what the student section does in college basketball, the student section is everything. What the student section does when they want to get the entire arena into it is they just start chanting. And I'm going to start chanting. And then everybody in Lake County, Apopka, and, and online, you're going to join me. And this is what they would chant. Crazy towel guy. Remember when I said we're all going to do this? All right, here we go. Crazy towel guy. Crazy towel guy, crazy towel guy. Listen, there's somebody at a gym on a treadmill doing this, and I love you. I don't know who you are. I love it. 
the student section would chant this. And there was a tradition that's going on for decades as they would chant this in the student section across the section, somebody else that would stand up and do this. You see, this is the crazy towel guy. This is the student section over here. And this guy would stand up and just wave the towel. And the stadium would be kind of in this relaxed state. But when he got up, the stadium would erupt. I don't know how it happens. I don't know. I don't get it. But the student section, they didn't just show up. They spoke up and they started chanting. And when they chanted, it encouraged this man, which encouraged an entire, entire stadium to speak up. I don't think every single person here is a crazy towel guy, but I think there's probably a hundred. There's a hundred of you that God has put here. And I don't think there's a student section cheering, but I think maybe there's a crowd of angels and they're looking down at journey and they're, they're screaming crazy towel guy. And they're waiting for somebody to stand up and not just come to church, but to be the church. They're waiting for somebody at Journey Christian Church to not just show up for them, but to be poured into so that they can be poured out and encouraged. And by their encouragement, they're not just encouraging one or two, they're encouraging an entire campus, an entire church. Because God's given that person influence, just like God's given the crazy towel guy influence more than he could ever imagine. You see, God wants you to impact stadiums, not just fill up your cup. So this is what I wanna encourage you to do. I wanna encourage you to do what I call reverse gossip. When you come to church, reverse gossip. We know what gossip is, right? Gossip is this, talking negatively about others privately. That's gossip. We all know that, we don't like it. It's when you talk negatively behind people's back privately. Reverse gossip is this, when you talk positively about other people publicly. That's reverse gossip. You see, one of the things that people, when they come to church that they don't like is how negative the church can be. And you know who they're talking about? Us. It's not another church. It's not them. It's not, it's me. It's us. And we could change that by reverse copying. What would happen if instead of people coming to journey and hearing negativity about the sermon or how loud the music was or about that coffee wasn't right or this or that, they just, maybe they, nobody even was talking to them. They just overheard constant praise of other people. They just overheard a friendliness and, a, and an optimism from the gospel. And when we begin to reverse gossip, when we begin to speak and encourage, you create a bright light for people to come to that say, I want more of that. I don't know what's in them, but I want that. And then we get to tell them, hey, what's in us is Jesus. Amen. We didn't just wake up and try harder. There is a God that literally is in us and who is in us is greater than who's in the world. And he makes us see the world differently. And we don't see the world through a negative lens. We th see the world through a positive lens. It's not fake, it's real. It's the gospel. I wonder if you would be a crazy towel guy for Jesus. Three ways we maintain home field advantage. We show up, we speak up, and then we cheer up. It says this in Hebrews once again. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. This is cheering, cheering on one another. We're not just to show up to church. We're not just meant to show up and speak up and encourage. We're supposed to cheer up that we would spur one another on to love and good deeds. And my encouragement for you today would be when you show up, would you just find one person to bless? You know, Esther mentioned that 
uh, a bunch of people from our team went to a conference this week and I had some of the residents, they said, hey, what would you encourage us to do when we're at this conference? And I, and I told them this. I said, anytime you're at a conference, you're always gonna, you're always gonna come from a, 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 be a church that is bigger than other people, but also smaller than other people. And so I told them this. I said, when you go to a conference, whenever you go somewhere, look for somebody that you can learn from, but also look for somebody that you can pour into. Maybe there's a youth pastor of a church of 200 and he's on the brink of quitting. But if he had somebody like you that's been doing it longer and knows more, then maybe you can love him, pour him. And so the residents did that. They came back and shared some highlights. What would it look like if you didn't just come to church saying, hey, it's, it's for me, but what if you just bless somebody? What if, what if you came in, instead of just grabbing your seat, you looked around and said, who's sitting by themselves and why don't they sit with me? Because nobody should sit alone in the church. Nobody should sit alone in the church. This is your church, and we should be good hosts. And when people come to our church, let's be good hosts. And let's cheer one another on and spur them on to love and good deeds. Most of my ministry, I've been a youth pastor. And one of the things, uh, I just, obviously, I love sports. And let me just tell you, some of y'all are like, man, why do you... Why do you talk about sports? Why do you love sports? I'm just gonna tell you my theology. I mean, and this is not, I'm not joking when I say this. It sounds like a joke. I do like sports, but I try to like sports more than I actually like sports, and here's why. Because if you give me a ball, any ball, golf ball, soccer ball, beach ball, volleyball, any ball, and you give me five minutes and put me any, in the, any place in the world, I could hear a kid's story within five minutes. I don't know anything that breaks down walls faster than sports. And because of that, I want to love sports because I could hear somebody's story faster than anything else I know, personally, that I know. And so I love sports. And so when I was a youth pastor, one of the things we would try to do is have a sports ministry. And so my goal was to, uh, once a month, was to try to gather at least 50 students and we would go to a high school game. And we would go and we would show up and, and we wouldn't show up to the, the Friday night football games where there would be 3,000 people. We would show up to the JV baseball game where there were maybe some parents and almost no girlfriends in the stands. <laughs> and listen, we didn't just show up. We showed up, we spoke up, and we cheered up. And when we showed up, we showed up with signs, big posters. We, we showed up with whistles and noisemakers. And we showed up when we cheered. We'd show up with food. We would show up 50 people deep to JV baseball games or to swim meets when nobody's there, tennis matches. And we would just do this. And I remember one time at Mountain View High School, we showed up to this JV baseball game. And in the second inning, the coach literally leaves the, the baseball uh, field, walks out of the dugout, comes and talks to me. He goes, what are y'all doing? I said, hey, listen, we just want you to know that we are with you and for you. And that's it. We are with you and for you. And any way that we can encourage you, we're here to do that. And he just kind of shook his head. And he said, I don't know what you're about. I have no idea who you are. He goes, I just want you to know these ninth and 10th graders feel like they're playing in the World Series. And after the game, the coach came and found me with tears in his eyes and he wanted to understand why we do what we do. And I got to tell him the hope of Jesus. And I got to unpack the gospel. And I said, because there's a God that loves us, we are called and determined to show up, speak up, and cheer up in the lives of other people. And today, that means you. And so when it comes to an athlete, just side note, they, there's really two love languages to an athlete. You can just, this is free today, two love languages. It's fans and photos, that's it. 
If you give a photo of an athlete of themselves, they'll love you for life. And if you just show up and literally, so that's what we would do. I mean, they could be an atheist and you just show up with a photo of themselves and a fan they're in. And so that's what we would do. We want to come alongside people. This is what I know. The church is full of beautiful people and the church is full of hurting people. And our job and our hope is that we close the gap. Matter of fact, someone once said, if you treat everybody like they're going through a tough time, nine out of 10 times, you'll be right. And so I wanna encourage you when you come, don't assume everybody's got it all together. Most of us don't. As a matter of fact, that's why next week we're starting a new series called Journey to Hope. I'm excited about this series that we're gonna kick off next year. It, what the whole idea of this series is, how can we walk alongside people that are wrestling with mental illness? And we're gonna walk through that and it's gonna be great. First Thessalonians 5.11 says there, this, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. I mentioned earlier, I'm a big Magic fan. As a matter of fact, uh, I don't talk about this as, as much, but I'm actually a bigger Magic fan than I am a Dolphins fan. I just like talking about the Dolphins because they're never good. And so um, I'm a big Magic fan. So I grew up downtown Orlando, and when I was you know, 11 or 12 is when the magic came to Orlando, and I was introduced to this guy. Some of y'all know this guy. His name is, is Dennis Salvago, if I could say that correctly. Some of y'all might know him, and I'm not approving this nickname, but you may, I'm just, he's known as the fat guy, okay? I didn't call him this, self-proclaimed. He has a shirt, jersey. And what happened on March 3rd, 1990 is he was sitting in the stands and what he says is those two pretty girls in front of him. And so the camera went to zoom in on those girls. He's right behind them. And so when they zoomed in, he stood up and he just started dancing. And the crowd went nuts. And then the camera panned off and the next quarter they came back and he got up and danced again. The crowd went nuts. And it did that throughout the game until finally it just squared up on him and not the girls. And the fans loved it. The next day in the paper, it said it was the loudest the stadium had ever been at the uh, Orlando Arena. And so he said, ha, huh, I might have an idea. So he realized that he, was, he had influence as a fan. So the next game he came, he showed up and he just started dancing. And then we were down a little bit. And so to kind of rally the troops, he takes his shirt off. It's a true story. And he runs around, this is when security wasn't as lack, runs around the base of the stadium, just waving his shirt. And he did this for like over a decade, took his shirt off and just, and he would just get the crowd fired up. If you're a Magic fan, a lot of you know this, he still goes to every Magic game. I, I've seen him with his shirt on more than off lately. But this is a guy that doesn't just show up, he cheers up and he speaks up and he impacts almost like the crazy towel guy. Just a side note, if we're going to give people nicknames, can we be nicer? I mean, crazy towel guy, the fat guy, let's be a little nicer in our nicknames. <laughs> Hebrews 12.1 says this, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. That very first part, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Listen, we have home field advantage when a new person comes or when anybody comes to church, they shouldn't feel like they're in a weight game. You see, when they come to Journey, I want them feeling like they have home field advantage, like there are people that are in there that love them, that are cheering for them, that are encouraging them. I don't want somebody that doesn't even know God to show up and feel like, man, I don't feel like I have home field advantage. I feel like I'm in a weight and everybody's booing me, everybody's judging me. 
And I feel like I'm on the opposing team. But since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. When you become someone that helps have home field advantage, you make people have more perseverance and run further and faster than they could have ever imagined before. That's what that's, that verse is saying. If you're here or online, Lake County, and you are 25 years old or younger, I wanna encourage you with something that I heard at a, a youth conference years ago, and it said this, the, the speaker said this. It said, when it comes to this idea, it's kind of playing on the idea of sports. He said, the wave always starts in the student section. When it comes to revival, the wave starts in the student section. And if you are 18 to 25 year olds, a lot of you right here, I wanna encourage y'all. Go bold, go big, lead the way. If you are 26 and over, this is what I'll tell you. Do not wait for the next generation to start and spark the revival that God's called you to do. Let the wave start in the student section, but don't wait on them. Lead the way. 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow me as I follow Christ. May we have multiple generations going all in for Jesus. And then would we allow the next generation to start a wave that we've never seen come before. Around here, we say everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and through Jesus, anything's possible. And I love that. Let me ask you this question. How do people know that they're welcome? You see, people expect the pastor on stage to say this. They don't know if the people in the seats are gonna live it. We say everybody's welcome. How, how, do, we, how do they know that? By showing up, by speaking up, and by cheering up. If the world hates us because of Jesus, that's expected. But if the world hates Jesus because of us, that's a problem. As I've mentioned many times, and I'll do many times more, I'm a big baseball guy. This is Joe DiMaggio, Hall of Fame baseball player for the New York Yankees. And I love what he once said. He once said this. He said, there's always a kid seeing me play for the first time or the last time. I owe him my very best. And what we talk about as a staff is every single Sunday, there is somebody coming to journey for the first time or the last time. That's just a reality. And we owe them our very best. And they don't expect us to be perfect. They just expect us to love them. And we're gonna love them by showing up, by speaking up, and by cheering up. Amen? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, I, uh, I thank you. I thank you that you modeled this first. You, you showed up in our lives. You, you spoke up. You called us into a, a new way of life. And then you cheered up. You cheered us on every step of the way. And so, God, when we come up with this idea to, to show up, speak up, and cheer up, it, it's not original. We're just following your lead. And God, I pray that the church, specifically Journey, would have the greatest home field advantage on the planet. That God, when, when people come here over the next couple months or at Easter, when they come here, they'll know that people are more for them than against them based on, on how we say, how we talk, how we include, how we love. And so God, uh, 
as I talk about this idea, there are people here, they're thinking, man, I don't know if I could do that. I'm hurting so bad myself. And so God, I thank you for the, the people that are coming here. Some people are coming here, they don't even know why. Some people are coming looking for hope. But God, whatever reason people are here, would you fill their cup? And at the same time, would you give us the wisdom and discernment to also empty our cup? To be able to create a place where everybody's welcome. Even though nobody's perfect. Because through Jesus, all things are possible. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. If you like this podcast, we post a new message every week. So make sure to click that follow button and share it with your friends. Remember, Journey is a place where everybody's welcome. Nobody's perfect. And through Jesus, anything is possible.